if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, the beauty of the gospel is that God has saved us. He's freed us from the power and the penalty of sin. He's put us in Christ, who's now our life. So we've got to together, surrender our lives, and say, our lives are yours, and we're your servants. It's not radical version of Christianity. This is biblical Christianity. It's what it means to be a follower of Christ. We don't call the shots. He calls the shots. The Radical Together Podcast, with teaching from David Platt. Welcome back to another episode of the Radical Together Podcast. If you want to listen to previous episodes, you can get them on iTunes or online at Radical.net. Now today, David's teaching from Matthew chapter 4 in the first of a two-part message entitled, The Reward That's Found in the Word. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, let me invite you to find Matthew chapter 4. So, the last few weeks on this podcast, we have spent time diving into prayer, the purpose of prayer, what we pray for. So why do we pray? We pray to express the depth of our daily need for God. We pray to explore the mystery of intimacy with God. We pray to experience the power of being used by God. This is what drives us to our knees on a daily basis in prayer to go in our room, close the door, pray to our Father who's unseen because we know that there's reward to be found in Him. And so we, we pray. And what do we pray for? We pray for His glory. We, we ask God for His glory, for His gifts, for His grace, for His guidance. We walk through Matthew chapter 6, just basic teaching from Jesus on prayer in the Sermon on the Mount to remind us what, what drives our praying. We talked about twofold secret to prayer, to to make your wants God's wants, and then ask for whatever you want. And so what I want to do, in the last podcast, we spent time talking about the role, the pivotal role that prayer has in the providence of God and what He's doing in the world, that when we pray, God acts. And as a result, our prayers today, so your prayers, whether you're sitting somewhere right now, just listening, or you're driving in a car, you're running somewhere, that, that as you pray, you are, you are pleading to God on behalf of people, on behalf of needs in your life and needs in others' lives, and that God is listening and God acts in response to our prayers. And, and so we've talked about prayer, but what I want to do over the next couple of weeks is then couple what we've said about prayer with God's Word, because these go together. We see all throughout Scripture that prayer and the Word go together. Even that twofold secret to prayer that we talked about, make your wants God's wants, then ask for whatever you want. Well, how do you know what He wants? And that's where His Word comes in, on a daily basis, transforming our mind and our hearts in line with who He is and what He's doing in the world, and what He wants in our lives. And so I want us to see this relationship between prayer and the Word. And the reason I've got us in Matthew chapter 4 is because this is that story of when Jesus, the very beginning of His ministry, was being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And as He's facing the challenges of life in a sinful world, just like we do, and he's tempted by Satan, his first words in response are a quotation from Deuteronomy, where Jesus answers Satan and he says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth 
of God. And so when I read that verse, and I go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8, where God tells his people that he fed them with manna on a daily basis so that they might learn that their sustenance comes from him, and not just physically, but from the provision he gives spiritually, that man, we don't live by bread alone, that more important, there's something more important than breakfast or lunch or dinner, and that's every word that comes from the mouth of God, that we are intended to be sustained and nourished and carried along daily by God's word. And so I want us to dive into what does this look like practically then in our lives to live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So how do we digest his word like it's food and nourishment to us on a daily basis. Now, I know that as soon as I say that, all kinds of people have different reasons why we are hesitant to read, study, memorize the Bible. Some people think, well, I don't see how the Bible really applies to my life, so why should I read it on a daily basis? Other people say, well, I've tried to study the Bible, but I just don't know how to do it. Other people think, well, I'm not a professional, that's the pastor's job, so I go on Sunday, I listen, and so many people are living in a relationship with God through proxy. They just hear his word from someone else instead of hearing it themselves. Other people say, I just don't have time, my life is so busy, I'm guessing most all of us, even who are, as I'm talking, as you're listening, most all of us have a lot on our plates, and there's a, a lot of things that can crowd out our schedules and Reading the Bible just kind of gets pushed to the side. I just don't have time. Other people might wonder. I don't even know if the Bible is even true. Or some people might just say, to be honest, it seems boring to me. And part of my prayer is that this week and the next few weeks, you might see in a new way, in a fresh way, the treasure that is waiting to be found for you in God's Word so that you will desire it and believe it and make time for it, and devour it. People sometimes ask me, well, how do I grow in my my hunger, my desire for God's Word? So I don't have the desire, how do I get the desire? And so here's the sim- simple answer. How do you grow in your desire to read God's Word? The answer is by reading God's Word. And I, I know that seems uh, a bit simple, if not overstated, okay, I just read God's word, that will increase my desire. Well, think about it this way. I've used an illustration before of the first time I ever went over to my wife, Heather's house. Of course, we were she was not my wife then. First time I'd ever gone over to have dinner with her family. And I get over there, and a little background on me, I grew up in a family where we we never ate seafood. My dad hated seafood, so we all hated seafood, and we just never ate it. And so I get over there, and they've got this seafood spread that they're eating that night. And they say, oh, David, here's here's all this seafood. Hope you enjoy it. And so I'm sitting there eating food, wanting to impress, eating seafood, wanting to impress uh, Heather's family. And so I'm just saying, oh, this is great. This is good. And the only problem is... Uh, her family bought it, and so every time I'd come over, they'd say, oh, David's coming over, he loves seafood, so let's eat 
seafood. And so started eating seafood every time I went over there. And then uh, our relationship grew to the point where I, I would go on vacation, uh, maybe to the beach with her family. And uh, when we get down there, her family would say, oh, David, what's your favorite seafood restaurant? And I'd be like, oh, they're all so good. Um, any one of them just as I love. And so anyway, the, the, the end of the story is today, I love seafood. And it's it's because I had to eat seafood in order to get a wife. So, so I'm not saying that the Bible is something, just eat it and you'll start to enjoy it. But the reality is, the more we soak in God's Word, the more we read it, the more we digest it, the more we will desire it. And we shouldn't be surprised if we fill our minds and our lives with constant drivel from the world then we, we, we shouldn't be surprised when we come to God's Word and our, our stomachs, so to speak, are full. And we, we filled our minds with so much other stuff, there's no room for anything else. So what happens when we start taking the time to prioritize, okay, I want to read the Word, I want to soak it in, I want to digest it. When that begins to happen, our appetites begin to change. We begin to desire some of the things in this world less than we desire God's Word. And that's what we're after because we know this word is essential for our growth in Christ and our maturity in Christ. We need this book. We have to have the Bible to sustain our lives spiritually. First Peter 2 talks about uh, the word of God like, like it's a baby grabbing for milk. We need it like newborn infants, Peter says, long for the pure spiritual milk that you may buy, buy it, you may grow up into salvation. I think about our four kids and every one of them when they were little just grabbing that bottle just crying out for it as soon as they see it they want it because they know they it nourishes them it satisfies them so this is how we're intended to approach the word with that kind of desire and passion we want it we can't grow up in Christ without it we need it like pure spiritual milk for a baby and we read it because it's vital for our lives and our ministry. Second Timothy 3.16, remember where Paul says, all scripture, all scripture, and that includes Leviticus and every other book in the Bible, all of it is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness. It's profitable to us. And we read the Bible because it's key to joy and satisfaction. That's where I love Psalm 19 and Psalm 119, where, where the psalmist in Psalm 19 talks about how the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, and the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, and the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. By them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Oh, what a great picture. More to be desired are they than gold. And Psalm 119 just echoes it over and over and over again. Psalm 119.72, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Psalm 119.162, I love this verse. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. Oh, that's it. I, I pray for you, whether you are living someplace around the world in the front lines of getting the gospel to unreached peoples, or you're living in North America somewhere, that regardless of where you are in the world, that you would wake up 
in the morning and realize that there is spoil, there is treasure to be found in the word of God. So you might rejoice at it like you found treasure. So for this view of the Bible in our lives, that it's better than anything else that we can intake in the beginning of the day, all throughout the day, at the end of the day, how can we live, not by bread alone, not by what we can get in this world, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, but what we can only receive from His Word. So what I want to do is I want to encourage reading the Bible, and not just encourage, but to equip you in reading the Bible. Because just because we we start reading doesn't mean we're going to understand what's written there. So we've got to read wisely. And there's all kinds of dangerous approaches to to Bible reading. You've got the emotional approach where people just open the Bible and say, okay, what feels right to me? And we start to twist the Bible according to what our tastes are. So you got the emotional approach, the spiritual approach. We come to the Bible looking for some deep, hidden spiritual meaning for us. Like we're going to find something new that Christians for 2,000 years have totally missed. And thank God you came on the scene or I came on the scene and we discovered something nobody else had discovered. No, we're not, we're not looking for some deep, hidden spiritual meaning just that nobody else has, has seen. So we're not the spirit. We've got to avoid the emotional approach, the spiritual approach. A pragmatic approach to studying the Bible is dangerous. Just asking what works best for me and we start making Scripture accommodate our lives. Or you've got the all-too-common superficial approach, which approaches the Bible. And the first question we ask is, what does this passage mean to me? And this happens all the time in small group Bible studies. You'll have people sitting around a room and they'll read a verse or a chapter like, take Genesis 22, for example, when Abraham offered his son Isaac and God provided a ram for the sacrifice. And so you'll read a chapter like that and then somebody will say, okay, what does this mean to you? And then all of a sudden, people start saying all kinds of different things that this passage means to them. Bob over here will say, well, I think this chapter means I need to go hiking with my son more, just like Abraham went hiking in the mountains with Isaac. Well, okay, Bob, uh, anybody else? Then Joe will chime in over here and say, well, I think it's clear from this passage that it's okay to sacrifice animals, which means no one should be a vegetarian. To which Joe's wife, Mary, a vegetarian, will reply, well, that's not what this passage means to me, Joe. Maybe this passage means I need to sacrifice you. And, and It goes on and on. I joke, but when we start a small group Bible study with the question, what does this passage mean to me? The conversation will quickly congeal into a pool of ignorance where a group of people find themselves sitting around sharing what they don't know about the Bible, and they call it Bible study. So we got to avoid that in small groups, which happens all the time. But the same thing can happen in our personal Bible study. And this is where I want to remind you that the first question we ask when we come to the Bible is not, what does this passage mean to me? The first question we ask is, what does the Holy Spirit mean in this passage? Quite frankly, I don't, I don't care what this passage means to you or what it means to me. I care what this passage means. What the Holy Spirit is saying in a passage. Not to you or me, but to all people of all time. And some people might say, well, David, don't you know that different verses mean different things to different people? No, no, no. That's application, which we'll get to. There's no question that different verses apply to our lives in different ways. That's application. But our goal in Bible study is not just to jump immediately to application or to determine a personal meaning for you or me. Our our goal is to discover what the Holy Spirit meant when he gave us a, a verse, a 
passage, a chapter, a section of scripture, and then to think through responsibly. Okay, so what, what is that? How does that apply to my life? What does that mean I need to do? Now, that is application, which we'll get to. But before that, we've got to walk through a process of observing what, what God is saying in the text and understanding and interpreting what it means, not just for you or me, but what it means for all people of all time, and then thinking through application in our lives. So, all kinds of ways that we have to be careful when we come to God's Word not to, not to abuse it, not to twist it, uh, not to misuse it. So, how then do we read God's Word? We'll get back to David's message in just a minute, but I want to take this opportunity to mention that David's latest book, Counterculture, is now available. In Counterculture, David explores issues we face in our culture today like poverty, same-sex marriage, racism, sex slavery, immigration, abortion, persecution, orphans, and pornography, and how we as followers of Christ are called to respond with the gospel. Drawing heavily on scripture and personal accounts from around the world, David presents a compelling call for readers to faithfully follow Christ and to engage culture with conviction and compassion. Counterculture is available everywhere books are sold. And if you'd like more information on this book, visit counterculturebook.com. And for other resources from David Platt, visit radical.net. There you can watch or listen to past sermons, read the Radical blog, or stay up to date on catalytic events like Secret Church. Now here's David with the rest of today's message. I just want to share with you, for what it's worth, out of the overflow of, of my life and my own time in the Word, but then the time that I spent pastoring the Church of Brook Hills, the way we taught brothers and sisters, members of that church, to walk through God's Word using an acrostic that is, was not new. It's not new to me, not new to us. Many churches, many people use this acrostic, but the acrostic is REAP, R-E-A-P, REAP. So how do we reap the reward that is found in God's Word on a daily basis? And that acrostic stands for read, examine, apply, and pray. And so what I want to do is I want to Hopefully, just give you a tool to maybe help you think through. When I open a passage of Scripture, if I'm opening the Bible and i got a chapter in front of me, how do I read and understand this word rightly? And how do I experience the reward that is found there? And so we start by reading, by simply reading the text. Now, as we read, we've got to remember that there is a way to read the Bible that is different from the way we read any other book or any other thing in the world. So we read the Bible, one, prayerfully, because we know that we have a built-in study guide, and that built-in study guide is the very Spirit of God. So we're reading the Bible prayerfully because we know that we're not alone when we come to this book, that the Holy Spirit is with us. He's in us as Christians, helping us to understand this word and then to apply this word. And you think about it, Bible study is a supernatural activity. It is a divine encounter with the word of God through the spirit of God. This is an awesome reality. So we read the Bible prayerfully. When we open up a passage before we dive in, we, we say, God, help me by your spirit to understand what I'm about to read. And when you begin to read verse by verse by verse, you know that the spirit of God is in you for the purpose of enlightening your eyes, helping you to understand what you are reading. And we need the Holy Spirit to do that. So we read the Bible prayerfully. We read the Bible humbly. Again, this is another way we read this book. 
in a way that's totally different from the way we read any other book, because this book has authority in our lives. And whatever God's Word says changes the way we live. And so we're coming to this book. We're not looking for options to consider or just information to know. We're looking for commands to obey. We want to know God. We want to obey God. We're saying, I'm not going to take this book and twist it to accommodate my life. I'm going to take my life and conform it in light of this book. And so we're reading this Bible humbly. We're reading the Bible carefully, knowing we want to understand it rightly in a 2 Timothy 2.15 kind of way. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, who rightly handles the word of truth. We want to, we don't want to twist this word in any way. We want to read it carefully. We want to read it joyfully, just like we were talking about in Psalm 19 and Psalm 119, Psalm 119.32. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. He equates knowing and running in the commandments of God with an enlarged heart, that there's joy again to be found here, spoiled treasure. So we read the Bible joyfully. We read the Bible confidently, again, knowing, just as we just mentioned, the Holy Spirit is in us to lead us and guide us. We can understand this book based on the Holy Spirit inside of us. Now, that that doesn't mean it just happens automatically. We've got to work here. So we read the Bible diligently. So the Bible doesn't yield its choicest fruit to the lazy. That we've, we've, there's work to be done in studying the Bible. Knowing God truly and deeply doesn't happen just overnight. All of a sudden, this is a process we're growing in. So we read diligently, consistently, day in and day out as much as possible. I won't say that I'm, I'm perfect in daily Bible reading, but I want to live every day on the words that come from the mouth of God. This is the way we're designed to live in relationship with God. So to read the Bible consistently, and not just every every day, but every part of it. So we've got to be careful not to skip over certain parts of the Bible as if they're not that important. I kind of mentioned earlier Leviticus, all scriptures God breathed, which means every single book in the Bible. And you might wonder, well, why? Amidst all that's going on in my life, maybe you're facing challenges in parenting, uh, or in your marriage, or you're walking through this struggle or that struggle in your life right now, and are you making this decision at work? And you might say, well, why would I get up in the morning and read Leviticus about some civil laws or ritual laws among God's people thousands of years ago? What, what's the point? And here's, here's why I would encourage you to read Leviticus before you read anything else at the beginning of your day, that you would fill your mind with Leviticus more than you would fill your mind with even books that address the specific situation you're going through. Not that those books are are bad by any means, but why Leviticus is better. Because Leviticus, along with 65 other books in the Bible, is guaranteed by God to conform your life more into the image of Christ guaranteed by God to be used by His Spirit to form your mind in line with His, to form your desires in line with His, to make your life look more like Christ. That's what this Word does in our lives, and that is our greatest need. So you think about challenges that you're facing in parenting, and I'm right there with you right now. The reality is 
Your kids, my kids' greatest need is for their mom or dad to look like Jesus. You're walking through challenges in marriage. Your spouse's greatest need is for you to look like Jesus. You're walking through challenges at work, walking through challenges with your health, whatever it might be. Your greatest need is to grow in the likeness of Christ in the middle of whatever you're going through. And Leviticus is guaranteed by God to bear that kind of fruit, to do that kind of work in your life. So read the Bible. Don't don't just skip over certain parts of the Bible as if they're not important. All of this is important. So we read the Bible consistently day to day. And obviously we don't, we don't read the whole Bible every day. But over the course of however long, we, we are intentional about reading the whole Bible, the whole counsel of God, because we know it's all breathed out by God, that it's all useful for teaching, correcting, training in righteousness, just like we saw in 2 Timothy chapter 3. A couple more things. We read the Bible expectantly. This is where I would encourage you to read the Bible with a way to record your thoughts and observations and application of the Bible to your life, a way to write that down. And so, I would encourage you to read with a pen in your hand, or what I do is I, I, I read instead of the Bible with either iPad or computer or something where I can write down as I'm reading and reflecting on what I see and how this applies to my life. I, I'm reading it expectantly. I'm expecting God to, to help me understand this word, and as he does, I want to write down what I'm understanding. And I'm expecting God to to take this word and apply it to different parts of my life. And I want to write down what he's saying to me about what needs to change in this facet or that facet of my life. Or where I need to be encouraged in this facet or that facet of my life. And so I'm coming to the Bible expectantly, waiting to hear from God. And so I would encourage you, if you don't haven't built in a a process of journaling or recording your thoughts as you read through the Bible. I would encourage you to do that. There's no place in Scripture where I would say I would go by any means and say, well, you have to write down uh, thoughts as you read the Bible. There's not a command to journal in that sense, but I found it hugely valuable in my own life and creating that sense of expectation when I go to the Word, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to hear and respond. I'm not just looking to read to kind of get through this, but I really want to spend this time soaking in what God has to say. And one of the ways I know I can soak it in more is if I'm writing down uh, what I'm learning in the process. So reading the Bible expectantly, reading the Bible personally. Again, I mentioned it earlier, but so many Christians never learn to study the Bible on their own. As as pastor, it just broke my heart to see the number of people when I would talk with them who have never learned to study the Bible. And I think many Christians assume, well, everybody else knows how to study the Bible, and so I'm just going to kind of keep it a secret that I don't. But the reality is so many Christians don't know how to study the Bible on their own. And as a result, they're in entire spiritual life is lived by proxy through somebody else. Maybe they come every single Sunday to hear the word preached by someone else, which is obviously not bad in and of itself. That's good. We need to hear the word taught by others. But here's the deal. You just, you don't fall in love with someone by proxy. You don't fall in love with your spouse through somebody else. You don't love your spouse through somebody else by proxy. You fall in love with someone directly 
personally and intimacy with that person. And I'm zealous for you, for me and my own life, for us just to know, not just to know God through sermons on Sunday or through teaching from others, which yes, that's beneficial, but that we might read this book, this word every day. And I'm convinced that when we do, we will fall in love with the author of this book. When you feast on Daily on every word that comes from the mouth of God, you will fall in love with the author, author of this book, and you will find true life under the authority of this book. Psalm 119, verse 40. Behold, I long for your precepts and your righteousness give me life. This is life that's to be found here. Again, treasures, spoil. I'm just zealous for you to, to experience what, what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 4 what the people of God were learning in Deuteronomy chapter 8, what God's people throughout history have seen, that we don't live by purely physical sustenance, daily bread. Although we are asking God for that, obviously we need that. Even more important that we need, than that, we need every word that comes from His mouth. And He has given us such a gift. So I want to encourage you to, so here's where you start, just by reading, by reading prayerfully and humbly and confidently and joyfully and consistently and diligently and expectantly and personally knowing that as you do your desire for not just the word but obviously more importantly your desire for God for the knowledge of God and for intimacy with God will grow You'll fall in love with the author of this book while finding true life under the authority of this book. You know, one other thing I would add when it comes to reading, and maybe we can talk about this uh, a little bit more in depth on a, on a future podcast, but, but just to say at this point, as you read, I would encourage you to look for opportunities to memorize at the same time. So to take time when a verse or a couple verses stick out to you, to commit them to memory. In a Psalm 119, verse 11 kind of way, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've stored your word in my heart. So store his word. So don't just read it on a page and then walk away forgetting most, if not everything, of what you read. But take some time to, to store his word in your heart. So take a key verse or a key passage Eventually, maybe, that's what we'll maybe talk about in a future podcast, but key chapters and spend concentrated time learning longer passages of Scripture. But we'll just start with verses. For many people, there's not any kind of uh, intentional method for Scripture memorization. So just start with saying, okay, maybe this week in reading the Bible, I want to memorize one verse. And you might be tempted to think, well, I just don't memorize well. And I know people have different abilities to memorize that God's given different measures of grace in all kinds of ways, and this is one of those ways. But let me put it this way. What if I told you that I would give you $1,000 for every verse of the Bible you could memorize over the next 24 hours? I'm guessing, I'm guessing even if you struggle to memorize, with the promise of $1,000 for every single verse, you could probably learn to memorize at least a few verses. Like, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept, just like that, $1,000. And then on and on and on. You'd probably figure out a way to memorize some verses. Now, again, different people can, can memorize different measures of verses during that 24 hours, but, but this is the point. Psalm 19, 
This word is more precious than gold, than much pure gold. Psalm 119, your word is more valuable than thousands of gold and silver pieces. It's better, it's better, it's better. I promise it's better than money. And so the question is, do we value it enough to learn it, to memorize it, to store it in our heart, to spend concentrated time learning. So just in a simple way, you read a chapter, take Matthew chapter 4, for example, you come to verse 4 and you see Jesus say, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And you, you say, I need to hide that in my heart. I need to remember constantly that my sustenance doesn't just come from bread, from food that I eat for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and in between. But my sustenance comes from every word that comes from the mouth of God. Maybe even start there, just today, this week. Say, I'm going to hide Matthew 4, verse 4, in my heart. Or if you already memorized that verse, take another one that goes along somewhere in your Bible reading. So this is what I'll do is I'm spending time reading a, a chapter of Scripture, or a couple chapters of Scripture, whatever it might be. If there's a verse that sticks out, that's one of the things I'll write down. Okay, this verse, and I'll begin memorizing it and try to spend concentrated time learning it. So at that, at that point, and then reviewing it afterwards. And different people do different things. You write it on a note card. You make a note on it with your... Uh, note with it in your smartphone and there's different apps that can even help you do this there's so many tools we have so whatever works for you but you just really camp out on that verse and you hide it in your heart so let me let me stop at this point there's so much more we can dive into and we'll get to the rest of this acrostic in the next podcast but so reap the reward that's found in God's Word, R-E-A-P. It starts with reading God's Word. And if there's not a consistent daily pattern of reading God's Word, would you would you decide today that that's going to change? Would you believe, just believe that there's treasure, there's spoil that is waiting for you when you simply open God's Word? And you might go to it and find it. So just start by a process of, just take a chapter. If you need to, to just find a book, find a book in the New Testament, one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or, or there's different Bible reading plans. One of the, the Bible reading plan I use that I love is by Robert Murray McShane. You can search it on Google, Robert Murray McShane, Bible reading plan, the last name M-C-C-H-E-Y-N-E, McShane. He basically developed a Bible reading plan where it's, uh, Four chapters a day, two Old Testament, two New Testament chapters. And if you walk through that over the course of a year, you'll read the Old Testament once and the New Testament and Psalms twice. But you can also, that four tap, chapters just sounds a little too daunting for you. Uh, or if you just want to spend more concentrated time in less chapters, you can break that up into two chapters a day. This is actually what I'm doing right now. So I'll, I'll walk through just two chapters a day. One chapter's in the Old Testament, one, testament, one chapter's in the New Testament. And so right now I'm in Job and Romans. And, uh, and so I, and I, I've really enjoyed just doing two chapters because it gives me some more time to really soak in what's there in these two chapters of scripture. And so that's another Bible reading plan. Uh, and there's a great devotional, by the way, that goes along with it, uh, written by D.A. Carson called For the Love of God. And you can search for that online. I think it's available online for free or you can buy it. Uh, there's books. There's a volume one that goes with, uh, one half the chapters in that Bible reading plan and a volume two that goes with the other half of chapters. Just, it's hugely, 
helpful devotional. So that's just one resource. There are so many resources out there. Let me encourage you over the next week or two, if you don't already have a consistent pattern of reading the Bible, to to block out some time in the morning. It doesn't have to be a lot to start. Just start nibbling, feasting on God's Word from the beginning of the day and realize this is more important. There's, there's treasure, there's spoil to be found here. This is more important. There's just more delightful than anything else I can take in today. So to spend that time in the Word. And then what we'll do next time when we come back to the podcast is we'll think through, okay, now that I'm reading, how do I... How do I examine and really understand what I'm reading? So God help us. God help us all, help me, help those who are listening to this to experience the reward that is found in your word. I pray that you would teach us, me, everybody's listening, that you would teach us more and more that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're glad you joined us today for another episode of the Radical Together podcast. For additional free resources, including those available in other languages, visit Radical.net slash resources. And if you'd like to know more information about the International Mission Board, visit imb.org. Join us next time for more teaching from David right here on the Radical Together podcast.